Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Liberty Talk FM. Welcome to Medicine on Call, where it's all about living the solutions. Today I have a special guest on, Rosemary Gibson. She's a senior advisor at the Hastings Center, and she lectures about healthcare, healthcare reform, Medicare, and patient safety. And I think our show today is going to be an eye-opening experience for my listeners, because we talk a lot about whether our healthcare system is a little too steeped in, in medication and whether you need a prescription. And one of the things that patients and doctors really, really depend on is the safety of the medication. And we're not talking about the class action suits where, you know, always there's something that there's something gone wrong with the medication and there's a class action suit. This is completely outside of that. This is literally about the safety of the medication that you're putting in your mouth. And Ms. Gibson has written uh, a recent article, which I want her to, to discuss with us, about how China plays a role in this. This is a, this is your life that we're talking about and the safety of our patients. And Ms. Gibson, I want to thank you so much for coming on this, this afternoon because what you're about to tell us and, and we're about to speak about is it affects every patient in our country, probably worldwide, actually, if you really think about it. But again, thank you for coming on. I know you're busy. So give us a little brief synopsis about how you got into this space. Oh, well, thank you, Dr. George, for having me. It's so important to for the, all of us to know that there's been a huge shift in where our medicines are coming from. And it turns out that very quietly uh, we've been kept in the dark about it, but many of our medicines now are being made in China, and we're so dependent on China for our medicines that if they shut the door, within a couple of months, our pharmacy shelves would be empty and hospitals would cease to function. We can't even make penicillin anymore. We can't make the generic antibiotics for children's ear infections, pneumonia, strep throat, urinary tract infections, um, even exposure to anthrax. We can't make the last resort generic antibiotics for superbugs. It's remarkable how quickly and quietly we've lost our capacity to make our generic antibiotics. And generics are about 90% of the medicines that uh, we take here in the United States. How did we get to this position? I, you know, we have all these pharmaceutical companies. How did China become the, the, found the linchpin for all of this? This couldn't have happened overnight. That's right. It's a, it's a fascinating story. The first began in 1984 when Congress approved the generic drug law, which has been a boon to all consumers because our medicines cost less than the brand name drugs. But manufacturers began to look for a cheaper way to make them. So they looked east. And beginning in the late 80s, 1990s, companies here in the U.S. and Europe were buying some of the key materials, some of the core ingredients to make our medicines from places like China. And then we had opening up free trade with China in 2000, and who knew that trade policy would affect our, the medicines in our medicine chest? 
And I, I documented in the book China Rx, exposing the risks of America's dependence on China for medicine. I documented, it dawned on me while I was writing, I said, oh my goodness, look, we opened up free trade with China, and within four years, that's when we lost the last penicillin fermentation plant in Syracuse, New York. That was in 2004. We lost the last aspirin manufacturing plant in the U.S., you know, making the core ingredient, acetylsalicylic acid. We lost the ability to make ascorbic acid, which is vitamin C. And that's when a major U.S. company switched suppliers for the ingredient in the blood thinner, heparin, from a U.S. supplier to a supplier based in China. Mm. And three years later, it turns out it was contaminated with a lethal contaminant and hundreds of Americans died. And how did it happen further? Well, China has been investing heavily in its own industry. And so what they do is they have huge capacity, manufacturing capacity, and they sell huge, huge volumes on the global market, and, and they undercut everybody else on price. So they sell it at a really low price, and the U.S. and European companies can't compete, so they're driven out of business. Mm. And once the Chinese companies get a um, dominant global market share, then they increase the price. They basically form cartels, fix prices and control exports. And finally, we have you know three big companies that do most of the generic drug buying for hospitals and retail pharmacies, and they look to buy cheap mm-hmm. from manufacturers. And when you hammer down something for cheap, eventually it's going to break. That's why we have shortages. That's why we have quality problems. And that demand for cheap is driving production right into China's hands to build up their interest industry. Well, in five to ten years from now, Dr. George, we'll have virtually no generic drug manufacturing left. We are losing the capacity to make our basic medicines. Wow. It's absolutely remarkable. It is. And, you know, one thing you mentioned briefly, and I think we definitely need to go talk about it in more detail, is the quality control what happens when there is some sort of problem with the supply and it's uh, some sort of toxin or something that ends up, who gets sued? That's one thing that you have in the United States that you may not have in China. You have that, that risk of that company being shut down because of class action suits and that sort of thing. China's not in that mix, are they? Uh, you're right. There's a chapter in China RX called Made in China, Sue in America. Good luck. <laughs> what, uh, one of the fascinating parts in doing the research for China RX is uh, is writing about the perspective that Chinese companies have on why their products are so cheap. And one of those reasons is that they assume no liability for their products. Think about that. There's no accountability. There's not the consumer protection laws like we have here. Wow. So when we had that you know, hundreds of people, their deaths associated with this contaminant blood center, as you know as a physician, is so widely used in hospitals and mm-hmm. kidney, kidney dialysis. Um, there was no repercussion for the criminals that did that in China. And it was done for economic reasons. There were no repercussions. Nobody went to jail. And mm-hmm. we're still now 
dramatically dependent on China for the core material in heparin. Probably more so than we were back then. This sounds like a lot of different um, uh, different aspects in our in our supply line, whether that be the pressing of the the rare metals or the rare earth material right. or whatever. They're just cornering the market on how you not only run a country but stay healthy, and that should never be outsourced, in my opinion. Our medicines is the rare earth story that's untold. What China did was very smart for their, the development of their own country and their own health industry and pharmaceutical industry, is initially they focused on those core components, like the rare earths, rather than the finished products. And they got really good at it, and they had huge investment from the Chinese government. So when, when American companies here are competing with Chinese companies, they're really competing against the Chinese government. And that's why they, they, they're at such a competitive disadvantage. So China got control of those core components. And now what we're seeing is China's ramping up very quickly to make the, the finished pills, the finished generic drugs. So now many of your listeners will be really fascinated to learn that we're buying generic drugs made in China by their domestic companies for uh, HIV AIDS, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, epilepsy, chemotherapy for cancer treatment. Did I say birth control pills? Um, <laughs> it's across the board, and it's growing very, very, very quickly. That's actually, it's mind-numbing, quite frankly. On that note, it is. it is really. Let's take our first break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. Dr. George from Medicine on Call. Each week I speak about our healthcare system and the problems with it. One of the main problems is the doctor-patient relationship. I've found that patients really crave time, the time to ask their doctor questions, and physicians crave the time to answer those questions in a thorough manner. Towards that end, Peachtree Ear, Nose, and Throat Center is pleased to announce a new video telemedicine service. We now offer consultation for second opinions and for people who'd like to learn more and ask questions about how to navigate the healthcare system in a cost-effective and efficient manner. Go to peachtreeentcenter.video-visits.com to learn more. From treatment of sinusitis with balloon dilation to minimally invasive office procedures to correct snoring, Peachtree ENT Center offers state-of-the-art care. We also specialize in price transparency. You'll know the cost of our ENT services before they're rendered, whether you have a high deductible plan or no insurance at all. Make an appointment today to find out why Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Call 404-591-9100 or visit us at peachtreeentcenter.com. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. We're speaking with Miss Rosemary Gibson. She's an author uh, and also an editor for the Journal of American Medical Association Internal Medicine. 
and her most recent book is China RX, and we're speaking, uh, you know, exposing the risks of America's dependence on China for medicine. And what you just shared with me and our listeners in the last segment, when you really think about and you extrapolate what that could possibly mean for your health, my health, it's actually frightening because we're moving towards you know, from a medical perspective, we would prefer to write generic prescriptions for our patients to save them money. But we're, it almost sounds like we're playing roulette to a degree with what we're what they're picking up from the pharmacies. Is that a fair way to think about it? Well, I think what's happened, Dr. George, is that our medicines, generic medicines in particular, have become like commodities, like buying T-shirts. And whatever is the cheapest price, for those who buy from manufacturers, that's how they view it. Um, there's a, and who's looking at the quality? Mm-hmm. There's a new startup company located on the Yale Science Campus. They're an online pharmacy called Valisure, and I have no financial interest in any of this. I wrote this book in the public interest and did do this work in that way. And they're the only pharmacy that tests everything before they sell it before they send it out to their customers. And they found that, and they test for the active ingredient. Is it there? How much? Is it in the right quantity? They test for the inactive ingredients, the fillers, and they test for how it dissolves in the body. It's really important for medicines to dissolve in the body at a certain rate so that throughout the course of taking the medicine, you're actually getting medicine. Mm -hmm. It doesn't go into your body all at once, but it gradually released over time, they found that more than 10% of the generic drugs they tested did not meet required standards. So you're saying if it's a cardiac drug, drug for your thyroid, HIV drug, that there's a chance that you're really not getting treatment? It's almost like a placebo? Uh, what they have found is uh, on data that they've released, they've only released data on two uh, medicines that they have tested. They test a lot more than that. One is a lisinopril, a common blood pressure medicine. Mm-hmm. And there was variation in the, they test each, uh, they test a brand name drug and five generics. And for each of them, they test three batches. So three batches of the brand name drug and three batches of each of the generics. And the brand-name drug was pretty much on target in terms of the, the, the dose. But some of the generics, even within the same company, there was a variation in the dose from, say, 94% of what it should have been to up to maybe 104, 105%. So there's a lack of real precision in the medicines that are uh, being sold out there, and nobody really is testing. And then they, they test an, uh, an uh, epilepsy medicine for seizures, which is really important for it to be in your body you know, consistently. It's an extended release product. And the dissolution rate on the different uh, products was deeply, deeply concerning. You want to have it dissolve in your body to ensure that you have medicine you know, uh, entering into your uh, bloodstream and into your system mm-hmm. at, at a certain pace. And for a number of those products, the dissolution was very poor, and that was actually dangerous. 
So uh, I'd love to see a consumer reports type thing with all of the generics and all the different brands listed, but that takes a scaled-up effort and resources. But for now, at least there's one pharmacy out there that's testing, and it raises the question, why isn't everybody else testing? And putting the results out there for consumers to see. I, that's an excellent question. And again, if and you... The FDA, I'm sorry, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. And the FDA can't do this job. It's too big. We need a market... A lot of this is a market-based solution to put the test results out there and let the market handle poor-quality products and drive them out of business. I'm, I'm still a little bit... Conf I, I just want to clarify. So are you saying that pretty much all the generic companies out there at this point, the ones that are thriving, are China-based? None of the man regular manufacturers have a generic, uh, you know, division? Yeah. Uh, there are a U.S. and Western generic companies still operating, and they produce um, medicines in a lot of categories. Mm -hmm. It's where China is in its generic production. They are producing certain blood pressure medicines, um, and the others I mentioned, certain antibiotics, Alzheimer's medicines, and so forth. So that could be one of several generic drugs out there and different produced by different manufacturers. But what we're seeing, Dr. George, is over time, in fact, we're already seeing this. Someone um, said at a recent conference that three of the four largest generic drug, Western generic drug manufacturers in, in the world announced that they're dropping 50% of their products. Oh, no. Presumably because they can't compete. This is the exact same thing that happened with the ingredients. So where we stand now, answer your question, Many of our generics and also brand name drugs contain core ingredients made in China. More recently, what we're seeing is China ramping up production of the full generic drugs. They don't have global dominance yet, it appears, in any one of those products in terms of the finished drugs. But that's where we're headed within five to ten years. What, what can we do to, I mean, I understand market forces, but first you have to let people know this is, I mean, I'm, I think I'm pretty savvy about learning what's out there. I, I heard about China being part of the market, but I had no idea that ex to, to the extent that they had taken it over. If there's we, no reason anybody should know because it's really been kept very, very quiet. And that's why it took me three years to figure this out in doing the research for China RX. It has 900 footnotes on 57 pages to document mm -hmm. it um, to say this is real. So you're absolutely right. There's no reason anybody should know. But now the word is getting out, and that's the beginning of making change, and we can talk about some solutions. Too. Oh, I definitely want to talk about solutions, and, uh, and I want to get to that in the next segment. I just have a, another question about the government. Do they... What are they doing about this? I mean, do they, I mean, I don't know if the tariffs obviously didn't really affect this, I don't think, but I would think that the, I mean, I would hope that the government has some concern about not having really control, let's say Medicare, and they're talking about buying medications out of the country. Do they not think this is going to be a problem? 
there are many uh, people in government, in the executive branch and legislative branch, who don't know this. There are some people who do, and I think they felt powerless to act. And that's in part because nobody wants to talk about it. Because everybody has some conflict of interest. Yeah. So that's why this work I did, I didn't take money from anybody. I could speak about it, and good people are coming out of the woodwork uh, and waking up. Because it's a very, very serious problem. What China can do is they can withhold supply. Yeah. They can put lethal ingredients in our medicine or sell us medicine that has no medicine in it. Look at what they've done with the illegal drugs. They know how to manipulate the content of them and change them frequently. Are these the people who want to trust our supply of medicine? Absolutely not. And when you say the illegal, you're talking about the fentanyl in the various opioid preparations, right? That's part of it. And then there's also the you know, the cheap drugs that you know, young people get from gas stations and mm-hmm. other places, the illegal drugs that are cause, have been causing havoc in emergency departments when they show up and you don't know what it is that they've taken. And, and the Chinese manufacturers constantly change it, the ingredients, to fly under the radar. So it's really very, very insidious. Okay. And that's why we need to fix it and fix it fast. And I've, I've uh, spoken with physicians who have observed that some patients don't seem to be doing what doing too well on their meds. I have a picture from being in a physician's office of a shelf where he has the plastic bottles of different medications that he asks patients to bring in. This physician said, I want to test these because I think something's not working. So we're beginning to see the erosion of trust. Mm-hmm. And that's a terrible thing to have when it comes to our medicines. I agree with that completely. Wow. On that note, let's take our second break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. You're listening to Medicine on Call, where healthcare, business, and current events connect. What's up, everybody? Bubba here. It's finally here. The long-awaited Bubba Report, bringing you news from all the trading floors across the globe. We've got Scott Shalady, the cow guy, as seen on CNBC, Fox, and Bloomberg. We've got Keith Bliss, CNBC, Fox, and a floor trader at the New York Stock Exchange. We've got The Badger, who writes the hot topics in the political news. We've got myself putting together my own unique indexes that will help you give you a better idea of what's going on in the market. All you need to do to get a hold of the Bubba Report is go to thebubbashow.org and sign up for the newsletter, or you can email me direct at bubba at thebubbashow.org. We want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at bubba at thebubbashow.org to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, thebubbashow.org. Make sure you get it. It's a must-have for every investor and trader. The Bubba Report.
Welcome back to Medicine's Call. We're speaking with Miss Rosemary Gibson, the author of China RX. And before the break, we were talking about the consequences of a medication supply line that is being decimated and being, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it's, it's frightening, frankly. I'm, almost, I'm, I'm thinking, having second thoughts about writing generic prescriptions for my patients at this point. And you're right. Once the trust is eroded, you're, you're messing with the doctor-patient relationship. You're messing with patient care. And you're also down the road costing the patient a lot more money because one of the things that we've had in our, in our, in our bag of tricks has been to work with the discount, um, uh, pharmacies, you know, the, those discount cards. And they're really based on generic pricing. That goes by the wayside when you don't trust the ability to write those prescriptions anymore. It's a challenge and I don't want to frighten your, your listeners. I want to enlighten, not frighten. Mm-hmm. And I think we have time to fix this, but we've got to get moving because we have a serious problem. And one of the challenge, and the first thing is by doing this program, Dr. George, we're helping inform people. You know, I asked a, there was legislation introduced more than 10 years ago in Congress for country of origin labeling on medicines, and it was killed immediately. I asked someone in the industry, why? And this person said, well, Companies probably thought it wouldn't be good for their business if their customers knew where it was coming from. And 95% of Americans don't trust medicines from China. So the first step in solving any problem is raising awareness. I give talks, um, Grand Rounds and other presentations, and I show labels of medicines made in China by Chinese companies. say, this is real. But they're also U.S versions, but chances are they're getting the starting material, the key components from China. We have to start somewhere. And part of this is what you're doing today in informing your listeners. And people can become more informed, go to your public library, get a copy of China RX, share it with friends and colleagues. Uh, There's a section in the back with an appendix on how you might be able to find out where your medicines are made. We have a window now where we have to act so we can begin to fix it. I'm a big proponent of people taking their power back and not waiting for, you know, the government to help them. And you're right. If you can become informed, and one of the first things you need to do is get your book, then you can make an informed choice about what you're not, tell your doctor not to write or, or not buy a prescription. It's all about the money, right? If they're not, if they don't have customers, then they either go out of business or they have to improve their baseline of what they're, what they're putting out there. That's right. And one of the, on a positive note, one of the good trends that I'm seeing is a new nonprofit that was started called Civica RX. It was started by the Mayo Clinic and 800 other hospitals, and they're tired of drug shortages. These are some life-saving medicines that you know physicians know about these shortages, and they can be devastating to patients and those who care for them. And so they are doing something different. They are putting in capital, and they are identifying those products in perpetual shortage that really are a huge risk, and they're looking for different manufacturers who will make the product for them. They will pay a fair price, not a race to the bottom price. They'll have long-term contracts with these manufacturers because 
so the manufacturers know that they will have the money over you know 10 years or so to actually mm-hmm. invest in quality manufacturing facilities and not have to worry, am I going to get the contract next year? And it's all transparent on where it comes from, where it's being made, and transparency on price. And the first um, medicine that they are contracting for is doxycycline, which is a really important antibiotic for Lyme disease, for exposure to anthrax. And they found a company that's making the key ingredient, a Danish company, and I believe they're making it here in the U.S. That's what we need to do. We need the big uh, procurement, those who are doing the big buying of our medicine, Mm -hmm. to buy differently. And that can be a game changer. And it can bring back jobs to this country, good-paying jobs. It's good for our health security, and frankly, it's good for our national security. Agreed. So if that's... How do people, because I think that's the, the a linchpin move, right? Because if we start allowing people or educating people, then they're going to start asking for, or we're going to ask the question, where is this coming from? I know exactly. that, is there a, you mentioned, I'm not sure, is there a website that people can start going to, you know, your book is number one, but is there another website that they can go to to start doing their own due diligence? There's a website called Daily Med, Daily Med, M-E-D, and it's hosted by the National Library of Medicine. And you type in the name of your medicine, and you'll get all the producers of it. And you can see the labels for each of the producers or distributors, because sometimes they're just people who distribute it, not the people who make it. Okay. Some labels may say where it's coming from, but many do not. But it's a start. And then I would say, call up a distributor, call up the, the company whose name is on and ask them. And more and more people start asking, where is it coming from? Not just the finished drug, but any of the, or any of the components made in China. And send a message. I ask insurance companies. Some insurance companies only pay for certain, you know, uh, certain um, medicines. Mm-hmm. We should start saying to our insurance companies, so are you forcing us to buy, to take medicines made in China. We have to exert the pressure on our end as the consumer. Exactly right. Yeah, exactly I agree with right. you. It's all about the money. It always has yeah. been. Yes. And use our procurement dollars differently, particularly at a big level when you have hot, big health systems doing that. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to see the Department of Defense and the VA uh, be able to have the flexibility to buy based on value, not cheap. That's a very good point. I have a corollary question, actually. Do you think that the pharmacy benefit management companies have been in or helped this grow to the degree that that it is? I mean, they're all about cheapest drug and biggest, you know, cost savings in order to make a a buck off of it. Did that put a fire under this, do you think? Well, uh, I think it's fair to say that a lot of very um, financially lucrative companies do well when they pay the manufacturer the cheapest price. That price paid to the people who actually make our medicines can be a lot different than what you and I pay when we go to the drugstore. Mm-hmm. And what we lack is transparency. How much of that extra money between what the manufacturer gets and what you and I pay, how much of that is really value added? Is actually helpful to the consumers? Anybody using that money to actually test our medicines? The answer is no. Yeah. So I think the direct-to-manufacturer route 
and transparency. You know, I always believe that those who are proud of where their products are coming from would be very happy to tell their customers. So uh, I think we need a whole different equation here in using our purchasing power as much as we can toward products that are better and not made in a country that its aim is to disrupt, dominate, and displace our U.S. industry, not just in pharmaceuticals but in so many other things. I'd say everything, to tell you the truth. And, <laughs> yeah, and if people and if people think that, oh, well, it's going to cost us more, well, just imagine this, and this is not a figment of imagination. This happened. I mentioned vitamin C earlier. Well, we lost our capacity to make vitamin C in the mid-2000s. China formed a cartel. They, their companies got together, fixed prices, and controlled exports of this product to the United States. There was an antitrust case brought in New York in federal court. And in that court, the Chinese government said it was a matter of law, Chinese law, that their companies fix prices and control exports to the United States. So if we think it's not important to make our own medicines, if we think it's not important that China controls our, the supply of our medicines, if we think it might cost us more money, just wait until China has a complete chokehold on the supply of our medicines. And they're going to tell us how much we're going to pay for them. That would be a disaster. And that's where we're headed. We will be the price takers if they even want to supply them to us. And this is global dependence, by the way. Europe, Canada, Australia, everybody. Even India is dependent on China. Wow. For 80% of the ingredients it needs for its generic, huge generic drug industry. This is, um, I mean... It's unbelievable. It is. Yeah, Yeah, I've 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 loaded a lot on your listeners, and it's huge. And that's why I'm sitting at the desk where I did my work researching this book, and I would have these moments of, oh, my goodness, nobody knows this. And it's such an honor to be on your show, Dr. George, to help share this with with people. Because knowledge is power. It's the first step to making change. You took the words right out of my mouth. And let's take our last break so people can... Get their minds around this. Uh, You're listening to Medicine on Call. Are you having problems with persistent bad breath, constant throat clearing, hoarseness, a cough that won't go away, a sore throat, or a feeling that something's always stuck in your throat? Why not find out what the problem is so it can be fixed? At Peachtree ENT Center, we believe in taking time to work with our patients as a team to get to the root of the problem. Make an appointment today to see why Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Call 404-591-9100 or visit us at peachtreeentcenter.com. If you missed the show, you can catch it on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and other multimedia platforms. Subscribe and share it with your friends. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. We're speaking with Ms. Rosemary Gibson, author of several books, including Medicare Meltdown, How Wall Street and Washington are Ruining Medicare and How to Fix It, China Rx, the book that we're speaking about now, and also you've done documentaries as well on our healthcare system. And 
this is the, the medication effect technically is the one of the major dominoes that that underpins our whole healthcare system. We can't talk about saving patients money, of price transparency, of wellness when we're talking about a system that is so opaque and driven by a monopoly and a cartel that I don't think has anybody's best interest at heart except for making money. And I know we talked about the prescription side of this. I'm curious to know, what about the supplement side of this? Is China also that powerful in the supplement industry? Uh, China is a dominant producer of the ingredients um, in supplements. I haven't studied that carefully, but others have. And you know, we buy products based on trust. Mm-hmm. But even the supplements market is so less regulated. And the FDA is having a hard time just managing and ensuring the safety of our main you know, legitimate you know, prescription drug supply. But who's looking at supplements? It's a very, very serious situation. We have to be so careful about what we put in our bodies, whether it's food, supplements, or, as we're finding out now, prescription drugs. We've trusted for so many years, and we want to continue to trust. So we have to make wise decisions and think before we put that, before we buy it, mm-hmm. before we put it in our mouth. So what's in here? So when I was writing China RX, I changed the vitamin C that I buy. I switched. And that was based on... in, in a, really thoughtful, informed decision, a lot of research on my part. And that experience, among many others, taught me that you really have to do your homework and not just take what's right in front of you. And that takes time. A lot of people have busy lives. But if your health matters to you, then it's really worth that investment. I couldn't agree more. That extra due diligence may be the difference between you being healthy and and, and not being healthy. Or as a physician, being able to really care for your patients and inadvertently putting them in harm's way. This is, this is so in deep that we all need to take a step back. I think we, we've really been, I'd say, indoctrinated to think that if it's cheaper, then it's better. You know, the Walmart, Walmart model has pervaded the entire society. It started off with clothing, then toys, then now we're talking about medication, you know. Clothing is different. That's not such a big deal. Right. But this is, and we need to pull back that, you know, I want to value, I want to, I want to deal on something. You get what you pay for, and this is not something you want to play around with, is it? That's right, and there's a narrative out there that generic competition lowers prices for consumers. In the context of medicine, what that's doing is it's driving production right into the, the hands of Chinese companies because they're the only ones that can sell it for cheapest. But no one wants to tell Americans that story. So that's the first thing that people can do is saying, tell me where this comes from. If you go pick up a prescription at a drugstore, ask to see the box it came in. Take a picture of it with your phone. Go home and look it up on the Daily Med website. Call the company and ask them, can you tell me where this product was made and where the, what's called the active ingredient, where the key ingredient came from, mm-hmm. and see if they'll tell you. And a good company that's proud of where its products are made will, will tell you that. 
that's the first step. And I think for solutions, um, I'm, I think this is a national, huge national security issue. And I think we should use public money that's used for procurement for the VA, our veterans, and for men and women in the military, that they should use their procurement dollars differently and not to buy medicines from China. Taxpayers would be shocked when they find out that some of their taxpayer money is being used to buy medicines for our veterans in the military. That's helping grow China's industry while devastating our own. Is there any movement towards recreating, you know, these, our own manufacturing base here to make our, make these ingredients or, you know, harvest these ingredients in order to start the process over? You know, we had manufacturing start to come back to the country. Um, I think with the rare earth, there's a one company, I think, in Texas that's opened up again. It seems like the pendulum, hopefully, is swinging back so we can take control of our own resources. Is anybody doing that, as far as you know? Uh, I just the consortium of hospitals, Mayo Clinic and the 800 other hospitals that, that form the nonprofit Civica Rx, their intention is to buy 19 different medicines from trustworthy suppliers located in trustworthy countries. And some of those suppliers will be you know, small ones, maybe some big ones. Mm-hmm. But by using our, our procurement dollars, the money that they spend on medicines to support good companies, making medicines the right way, people will pop up. I, I and that's what I believe. Uh, that's why I think the Department of Veterans Affairs should have the flexibility to do as well as uh, the military. And hopefully as the VA goes, so does Medicare and Medicaid, and then commercial insurances follow. It's some is You have to have kind of a push out of this inertia. But again, yes. I think as we discussed, patients have to demand it. And hopefully with this is the beginning of getting that word out because you, I was one of those people who thought that if genetic, generic drugs are actually keeping the cost down, I didn't understand until now, honestly, that I'm not part of the solution on this one. And we need to, if you need to pay a little bit more then for safety, then you need to do it. Or at least be mindful and be an informed consumer about what you're getting, not just shopping for the lowest dollar amount. That's right. Uh, That's right. Um, And then I think we also need um, testing of generic drugs and having that information public so people can make informed decisions. Like a clearinghouse. That pay a fair price for a quality product. That you know, I mean, what's the point of manufacture, you know, good manufacture practice or a standard if every pill that you take, it may not work the same way? That's the whole purpose of taking a prescription drug versus technically a supplement, right? And that's not the case. Yeah, look what happened with the blood pressure medicine, L-Sartan. The the company that had the worst, highest level of cancer-causing component in it. The amount of this contaminant was, this cancer-causing thing was 200 times the acceptable limit, interim limit set by the FDA per pill. And people were taking this medicine for how many years? That's tragic. And the FDA was, the FDA was compelled to put in an interim limit 
so there'd still be something left on the market. And they have to make these, it's incredible. Federal agency has to make these trade-offs between medicines that are far from perfect and having nothing. That's the situation we're in now. So the FDA took the step of not only having that drug was recalled, but they FDA banned everything from that plant, which they should have. And, and the company knowingly sold it to the U.S. They knew it was out of specification. They knew it was substandard. But they sold it anyway. And there's no recourse. There's no criminal, civil recourse because it's not an American company. What do you do? I know. They have no assets here. No, they have no assets here in this country, so how do you sue? There have been some class action lawsuits. I say good luck with that. But is there a, a, a U.S.-based distributor that you can go after? So they'll look for the deep pockets. Mm -hmm. But how does that um, have accountability for the Chinese company that sold it? And the Chinese government doesn't care when they had vaccine issues in China. They arrested you know, 30, 40 people. Right. Where are the repercussions here legally for those people that knowingly sold None. Product with genotoxic impurities. None. And that's really, that's unbelievable, frankly. We shouldn't, you would think that, I mean, the FDA does a lot of things, and I would, their whole purpose is safe medications for the for American citizens or American, anybody in the U.S. This is a real breach of their duties that they don't somehow expand to this. They This is important. How do you, how do they not, have purview over this. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Well, you know what happens. Um, here's how it happened. The company changed the chemical process for making its medicine. And the tests that were had been used at the time never expected this contaminant to be in there, so they never tested for it. Mm. You can't test for everything. Right. Um, and so it flew under the radar. And it's just so huge. That's why I think we need a market-based approach to testing every batch, every time, from a trustworthy tester before you and I go buy it. That's why that company in uh, New Haven, Ballisher, I think, is onto something. Well, I, I would definitely want to use them as a piece of information before I write a prescription or, frankly, put anything in my body at this point. If I were to and be an average patient. And I would also, as a consumer, say, have you tested this product before selling it to me? How do you know this is quality medicine? Well, I don't think... Oh, well, we get something... Yeah, although we get something from the manufacturer. That's not good enough. How do you know? Show me. Well, I mean, if patients would go to these uh, the corporate pharmacies and actually start asking those questions. I wonder if that would start turning the tide, if people start really be, being a lot more aggressive about what's being dispensed to them and refusing to fill it. I think that might make a difference as well. They would be in the pharmacy's interest to make sure that what they purchase is has a safety or is tested. And they could Absolutely. start this. I mean, I would go to that pharmacy 24-7 if, if they told me and they could prove that they had taken the next level step in making sure that what they dispensed to me and my patients was safe. That patient, Absolutely. that pharmacy would would be the biggest pharmacy in the United States. 
And again, I think you're right. We need to start, you know, taking our power back and making our voices heard. And I think as anybody who hears this podcast is really going to start thinking differently about this whole situation, which is the beginning of making a change, isn't it? That's right. And if any of your listeners want to contact me, I'd be delighted to hear from them. I'm at the Hastings Center uh, in upstate New York, and my email is there on the website. My Twitter is at Rosemary100. I try to post, you know, substantive content about what's happening. And how can they buy your medicine? How can they buy your book? Uh, we can go to see if your library has it. If not, it's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. And uh, please uh, read it and go on and write a comment on uh, customer review. Those things really matter. Uh, share it with your family and friends. So if you buy it, just don't keep it to yourself. Buy an extra copy for somebody else. Uh, and together we can fix this. Because wherever I've spoken about this, the, the people are outraged. Yeah. And with good we reason. allow this to happen, not just from a quality perspective, but that we can't make Wow. I, I want to thank you so much for your time this, today. It's been an eye-opening show for me, and I look forward to having you come back because there's so many other parts of our healthcare system I want to get your take on. And you've been in the trenches talking about how the healthcare delivery system, what's really going on with it, where it's going. And we all need, we're all in this together. The system has to work properly for everybody, whether you're sick or whether you're well, because at some point we're going to need it. And I really just respect everything that you do. I thank you for every putting yourself out there because I can't imagine how hard this book was to write. I mean, you must have had second thoughts about it at some point, so I, I would think. But your courage is just inspiring. Well, uh, together I believe that we can make a difference on this one. We've really got to get moving. Great. And the first step in any journey is becoming informed and knowing and thinking about what it is that I can do. And China Arts will give you some ideas for that. Ms. Gibson, thank you so much for coming on. I look forward to having you on again. Thank you, Dr. George. It's really been my pleasure. Thank you for what you do to inform your listeners about critical health issues of the day. It's, it's, it's a gift from God to be able to have a platform and to meet people like yourself. So thank you so much for your kind words. And I look forward to having you come back. And thank you, everybody, for listening to Medicine on Call. Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Liberty Talk FM.